And so today we're going to talk about the corresponding action to your faith. The corresponding action to your faith. And we have all had these uh, wild ideas about prophetic things that we can do to show God we mean what we say and all of that. But really it's it's a uh, continual uh, daily operation of uh, obedience and a uh, consistent uh, corresponding action to our faith. There is something that your faith will prompt you to do. Faith is spiritual substance. Faith is the spirit of God. It's one, it is an aspect of God's spirit. And so when we take our measure of faith and put it in God, which is what we do when we believe God's word, we take him at his word. We say, God, we want what you have for us. Uh, We want to do things your way. We agree to the whole covenant aspect of uh, relationship with God. So when we put our faith over into God and put him in control of things, then there must be a corresponding action that follows. Uh, it, It oftentimes is thought of at the same time that faith is expressed but it's not something we think of it's something that comes to our mind and prompted by the Holy Spirit so faith is shown by appropriate works or works that are follow up works to our believing God and so once we understand that then we'll be open to not just let our faith lie dormant and not let it sit around but put it to work So in James chapter 2 and verse 14, it says here, uh, what good is it, my brothers? I'm reading from the uh, everyday something. First, ESV. What is that? Easy, easy, uh, <laughs> easy. So you, yeah, easy. So you don't forget. <laughs> A German spelling of forget. Uh, whatever. Uh, but he says, "What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works?" What good is it? And so that's kind of a a question that we may not have thought of before. And so James causes us to think about it, which is a good thing. I'm so glad this chapter is in the Bible. And he says, can that faith save him? In other words, can just believing God save you? And I think that's so important because this is what we run into every day. People who know about Jesus have heard about Jesus, but they have never completed the faith process of being born again. When you ask them, do you want to be born again? Oh, no, uh-uh, I don't want that. Or I'm, I'm, I, I like it the way it is. You know, they're comfortable having just a head knowledge about God. Now, one of the things that, but that uh, uh, when Brother Hagen would teach on faith, he talked about the difference between what he called true Bible faith and what he called mental assent. A-S-S-E-N-T. Mental assent. And that is to just give uh, mental credence to the word of God. It just means to uh, agree with the word of God and, and just don't fight it. It's just saying, oh, okay, I, I, I like the way that sounds. I, I think that's right. I think that's correct. So really mental assent means that it's faith and word only. And it winds up somehow being an argument in the human mind. 
And this is what you have to guard against. Because if, if uh, faith is never received in one's heart, it's not pure. So anything that goes in your mind is not pure. Your, your mind is part of your carnal man. It's part of your fallen nature. So here you've got truth of God's word sitting up in an impure system. And where it is quickly and easily fought, it's argued against, and it never sometimes comes out of that realm of the argument phase. That's why sometimes you'll run into people who have been in church all their lives and, and been around the things of God and never got what we call the business or got asked for the business because it they sound like Christians they think they think like Christians they're trying to fit in some way all of this is carnal the desire to fit in the desire not to look different the desire to uh, uh, be uh, uh, accepted by hu- humanity and human beings all that is part of the carnal nature and the part of fallen man and so you'll find people like like this that are around the things of God all the time we got churches full of people with nothing more than mental assent to the word of God and mental assent to a historical Jesus that they know all the Bible stories and they know all of the you know you know when the the preacher says a familiar scripture they jump up and scream because I just thought of that this morning you know they're full of superstition uh, they're full, full of uh, everything but faith <laughs> that works by love <laughs> not carnality so the faith of God works in a different system a different realm than this mental realm so when they give credence or a a head nod to the word of God that is a mental assent okay it must go further than that in order for it to be true Bible faith that brings the results of God it's got to be heartfelt so it's not Bible faith and it's not faith in God and it's not faith in God according to his word. It's just mental. Mental assent is a mental decision only and it's not heartfelt. It's, it has nothing to, it's not a moral decision either. It, it's not a decision based on some kind of code, standard, foundation, uh, some kind of moral uh, absolutes. It's just what you think about, what you heard in your mind. And it's very, very different from faith. The reason I'm stressing this is because there's so much of it. And it, it's something that, that, has happened uh, over the years to the body of Christ with the faith teaching. It's all come down to pretty much a mental ascent game where we try to say the right things, make the right confession. It's just the same old religious game it's always been and now it's got a faith uh, smell to it. And so uh, we have to be careful to uh, do what we need to do to make sure our faith is heartfelt. You know that it's it's genuine, it's pure, uh, because the faith of God works by love. It doesn't work any other way. So it has to be heartfelt. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be in your heart because uh, you you've meditated on it, you've received it, you've gotten it from God. You got a witness in there from the Holy Spirit that this is for you. Uh, it's going to hold up 
excuse me for you it's going to uh, validate who God is in your life it, it has to fit in with your understanding of God by truth you got to know God as he really is and and judge him worthy to be trusted he's worthy for you to give this area of your life over to him he's worthy for you to lay down your uh, means of accomplishing this and follow his lead it's it's just that simple so then faith becomes a moral decision faith becomes a holy decision faith then moves you out of the realm of uh, just the people who are are nodding their head and saying that uh, they believe God into people who really believe him of a truth and so there's there's therein lies a difference and the difference lies absolutely in the corresponding action whether you're willing to do the corresponding actions and whether you're willing to seek God and trust him in his leading you into the corresponding actions that validate your faith that bring your faith alive that make your faith more than just words that make it active alive supernaturally full of power uh, full of determination I mean it's it's it gets to be a risky proposition after a while because when you just give mental assent it seems so easy but then once you start to really understand faith and really put uh, God's word quote unquote to the test you know like we do we get it out there to see what what God will do for us and then you find out that it's it's a whole lot more involved than we thought it was when we were just sitting up there quoting scriptures and trying to sound more holy than your neighbor or trying to sound more together than your neighbor uh, it's it's a whole lot deeper than that it involves a commitment on your part to a certain standard of living a commitment on your part to withstand certain things and, and only allow certain things into your life uh, it, it involves a decision uh, to keep that a holy thing between you and God and not let it become defiled and polluted by uh, you know uh, trying to work it yourself or do anything yourself so it puts it it's a game changer once you really understand what you are doing when we talk about uh, a corresponding action to your faith so we said that faith that works by love is something that must be heartfelt it has to be received in your heart that word has to pierce your heart it has to come come by your flesh and it has to uh, uh, your flesh has to to yield and let that word come in it has to let that word dominate it has to let that word work in you first and, and then you can uh, adopt it as your own it becomes a part of your inner being it gets grafted in uh, never to be taken out that word then becomes something that you live by you get stuck with it see you know whether whether days are good or bad you still got to live by that word that you received on the inside of you so there is an adjustment and a, a uh, change that comes in the vessel when the word of God comes in by faith that works by love <laughs> that you're looking for the corresponding action you know that the faith of God is going to command you to do certain things 
And if you don't want to do them, uh, then you're stuck with, well, what do I do if God tells me to do, uh, 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 you know, just like we did when we first got saved. Well, I want to be saved and I want to serve God. But then you think about the people that serve God and they always wind up in Africa and almost with Ebola or something like that. And then you say, oh, boy, what's it going to cost me, you know? But then you figure out, I have no choice here. I love God and I want to serve God and it's worth the risk, me saying yes. And this is the way you live all the time in God. You never get away from that counting the cost. Is it worth the risk? Is it going to work out? Is it not going to work out? Kind of attitude about the word of God because it's a covenant commitment. And everybody who steps into faith in God's word senses that obligation, covenant commitment there. We we know there's a string somewhere. We can't see it right now. But me saying yes to this is somewhere down the line going to cause me to have to, comprom- uh, to, to not compromise but stand fast in that so that I don't compromise with the world or my flesh or the devil. And so you know there's an obligation there. And you fully expect that, that God will help you to fulfill that obligation or at least you should expect that but many times people don't they don't uh, fully comprehend what it means to uh, let your faith work and have to step out in faith and do something to prove your faith and to bring your faith alive and not dead and so he says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him If a brother or sister poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them go in peace be warmed be filled without giving them the things needed for the body what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. So in other words, he's saying you might as well just shut up. Okay, you haven't done anybody any good. You know, if nothing else, you've shown how carnal your words are. See, words, if they just want, you know, if somebody who's hurting, if you say, oh boy, I feel for you because I was like that. What good have you done them? You really what you've done is you've taken the focus off them and put it on you. How selfish. You got me? But it's the same thing with all words that are not followed up with heartfelt action. Here you see somebody who's in a dire condition and that person could be you, but then this ain't about you, right? Uh-huh. But you see how much of us is in some things sometimes. You know, sometimes we we give because we think, boy, if I'm ever in in bad shape, I want somebody to give to me. You know, we. I mean, even though that's true, that's not much of a motivator. You got me. That that really not is is not much of a motivator. But when faith works by love, whether you ever receive anything or not, you're a giver. That's how God looks at things. You got me? Whether we worship him, whether we praise him, whether we honor him or not, he's going to take care of us. Does it better if we have relationship? You know, we can enjoy it more. But still, uh, we know that God is there for us and, and he will take care of us. And so he wants us to look at situations the same way. Other than there, that, there's no consistency in what we do. We'll do it based on an emotional, sometimes we feel for people, sometimes we don't. 
Sometimes we wish we could do more and sometimes we don't. Well, do the best that you can do at all times and you please God. And so God wants us to look at things much more like he does than than what we do because the way we look at it uh, is 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 going to be limited it's going to be limited to how you feel at the time whether you really feel like you can make an impact sometimes you want to give and oh, I don't have that much to give and you talk yourself out of giving even the small amount that you do have kind of thing and so and that's not love that's carnality because it's based on you and what you think and how you feel and what you're going to get out of it if we can do things based on obedience to God and love for God and just doing it because it's the right thing to do Uh, that is so holy you know it may seem kind of detached and maybe not as warm and fuzzy and might seem a little sterile but if you do things because it's in you to do it because you know in your heart it's the right thing to do that's the highest form of obedience really seriously it's the highest form because it'll be consistent because that inner prompting will always push you to do the right thing whether you feel like it or not whether you don't think about your pocketbook you don't think about what's coming next you just know it's the right thing to do that's sowing that's seed sowing I can't tell you the times I've taken money out of my personal money and given to people because I knew there was a need there if I had stopped stopped to think about me you got me You can't do that and keep it obedient to God. You can't do it and keep it holy. And you won't do much for God if you always have to think about whether or not you have enough, what you're going to do next week. God's trying to get us beyond that. He's trying to get us to understand we have unlimited resources if we do things from a pure heart. Because the purity in your heart is unlimited because it comes from God. And so the source... And your motivation is very, very important. But if you do it by the faith of God's word, do it because it's morally right. It's the right thing to do. God loves you. He's provided for you. And he's expecting you to take a portion of what belongs to you to bless somebody who maybe not have it or maybe doesn't understand how to get it or maybe isn't perfected in it or something like that or maybe it's none of your business why they don't have anything right now you got me and just give it and so because it's the right thing to do i know a lot of times people you can't be worried about getting ripped off you know people this there have been people come to the church they're professional church robbers you know, pretty soon they get tired of looking at your your face because they come under conviction and they'll stop. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes God will tell you, just don't give them anything. They're buying dope with it or something like that. But, you know, that's few and far between. I mean, that's not the norm. The norm is people who have legitimate need. And, and if we're really Christians, we should know those people have a legitimate need. We shouldn't only be in contact with people who have means. So he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and you say, go in peace, be warmed and filled and don't give them the things that they need, what good have you done? Faith also by itself, then it doesn't have works as dead, but somebody will say, you have faith and I have works. James has been around. He's heard this argument before. He says, show me your works apart. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. 
In other words, the person who is motivated by faith and moved by faith will work more than the person who isn't. See, a person who says he's into works ain't doing much. See, the argument comes because they see they're not doing what they're supposed to do and say they love God and say they have faith in God, but they don't do very much. James says, I can outwork you with my faith. Just obeying my faith in God, I can show you I can do more than you can do any day of the week. And that is true. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. He said, even the demons believe, but they tremble. See, they have works to accompany their faith. It's a joke, folks. Uh, but demons have faith, but they tremble when they, when they understand that there is one God. We don't even fear sometimes. Say you believe God, but what are you doing to show you believe God? Well, the demon has more faith than that, is what James is saying. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? He says, was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. Abraham could have said all day long I believe God. I believe God's going to raise my son up. But until he took him up to that hill. And held that knife over him. It was dead faith. There was no works to accompany it. He said because the faith to carry that out was at the top of that hill. Not at the bottom. You got me? He says, so you see that faith was active along with his works. And that's important. Faith must be active with your works. Never divorce your faith from works. Never never give without believing God that it's the right thing to do and God will bless you for giving. You've got to believe the whole thing. Don't separate your obedience from God from doing it with a, a pure heart and a grateful heart and a heart of obedience and love toward God. Never do things grudgingly. The Bible says that. And when we give, we should give as we purpose in our hearts, not grudgingly, not of necessity. Don't let anybody manipulate you into giving because they're so broke they they won't be able to be around for a day or two because you don't give. And oh, you got to feel bad for me because I grew up poor and I never had anything and all this kind of stuff. Don't let your emotions get you worked up into this. This faith is a holy thing. It's separate. It's separated totally from emotionalism. It's separated from all this other stuff. You know, it's like the the uh, you know everybody at you know after two or three in the morning has a commercial of feed the hungry children, and them kids look fatter than some of the kids that you see coming into you know around you all the time. They just take them in the back, put dirt on their faces, and you know what I'm saying? Because there's no real hungry kids there. You know, let us not be deceived. If if God really wants you to give, he'll move you to give. The reason you change the channel is because you're not moved to give. And you're not going to be manipulated emotionally. So you know what to do with your money. You know how to help the poor and the starving. And you don't have to go very far to find them. You got me? We're to be our brother's keeper and our neighbor's helper. And so I'm not saying don't ever give to stuff like that. If you really know somebody's doing that kind of work and it's legitimate, then give. But the ones who are legitimate don't seem to have to plaster, you know, costume children and, and, you know, made up children on TV in order to get you to give. You know, they'll, they'll, it'll be a regular part of what they do. 
You know, there's so many good ones around that you don't have to be worked emotionally to do those things. And God forbids it. He says, don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it out of necessity. Don't let somebody tell you somebody's going to die if you don't send them a dollar. You know, that's really the, the that's where manipulation has no conscience to me is to put a human life on the line if you don't do this. You know, it, it's just it's ridiculous. And so God takes care of people. You're not God, in other words. That's what, what you, God wants you to get to see and get to know. And so if you'll, you'll pray and ask God to help you to understand these things, he will help you to do them. But I'm telling you, your faith in your heart that God puts there is your best indicator of the will of God. It's the best way to be led. You feed that. You protect that. You let that grow. And you trust the spirit of faith that dwells within you. And you will never be led wrong. So in verse 22, it tells us that our faith is completed by our works. It starts in the Bible when you read it. And it starts when you when those pages come alive to you. And it starts when that word starts to pierce and, and get into your heart. And you start to love that word. And you start to see that God's talking to you uh, through that word. And he wants you, he gives you understanding of that word. That, that word kind of romances you a little bit. You get familiar with it. It kind of haunts you. It hangs around you. And you continue to think about it. And that's, that's real content with the living God that's that's how that word is alive it just doesn't jump up and grab you and and not have life to it that's what shows there's life to that word because it's 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 uh, attaching itself to you in a real living way it's not going away it's continuing to minister to you uh, continuing to speak to you continuing to feed you and give you uh, sometimes the word will will question you and quiz you that's the Holy Spirit uh, gaining relationship with you through the word you know I've had situations where I'll think about something and and God will give me a theme or a topic or something and it'll puzzle me for a while and I'll put it away but it'll draw me back again it'll puzzle me for a little bit and draw me back again it'll puzzle me a little bit and draw me back again again and then pretty soon I'll start to write and God will expound to me everything he's trying to tell me with that one little phrase but that phrase was what got my attention see and it wound up being a whole conversation with God and a whole understanding of something new uh, that I had not understood before and that's relationship with God that's how you relate to a God that has all knowing knowledge and you have very little (laughs) he has to somehow get your attention he has to somehow relate to you and bring it to you uh in a fashion and so it's it's good to know that when the word starts to haunt you or it starts to that's 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 how god uh romances us that's how he entices us that's how he begins to fulfill us because we have a darkness inside of us that only can be eliminated and and cured by the word of God and so he has to impart that word to us in a way that we can receive it as humans you know as as humans born again Uh, not as little robots that are trying to memorize some scripture how dull 
Right. You know, uh, you know, you were glad to get out of high school so you didn't have to memorize stuff anymore. You know that you probably would never use. You know, unless you were on Jeopardy or <laughs> or on that crazy show with that real big guy sitting up there, The Beast or whatever that show is. Uh, um, what's the name of that show? I don't know, but there's this English guy that sits up there, and he supposedly knows every like the human encyclopedia, and he's physically intimidating. And then all these these three little people down at the bottom of this thing try to try to uh, confound him with their knowledge. It's a you know a them against him kind of. It's on Game Show Network, but anyway, they you know, but uh, they're trying to conquer the beast, and he has all this knowledge and everything. So it's you know it's not in the same league as Jeopardy because a lot of the questions are just like you know rock star questions and you know all that stuff that was popular since the 60s you know so to them that's ancient history I guess but anyway you know but uh, you know it's I mean that that's as much as head knowledge is going to get you it's even going to get you eaten up by the beast or you get a second day on Jeopardy and then somebody knocks you out of your box so there's always somebody's geekier than you are coming down the line who's memorized more phrases and so but this faith when you have faith in God's word that word develops relationship with you you will understand that word because God knows how to get you to understand it it's not just memorized but revelation comes understanding comes contentment comes fulfillment comes strength comes confidence comes confidence in God comes you start to trust the word because the word becomes trustworthy to you it comes alive you're able to accept it and appreciate it and understand it it's not over your head it's not too deep for you you know you don't have to just sit bored when when the preaching starts but you can start to really understand it take notes and understand how it fits in your life you know God makes the Bible says the word will bring understanding to the simple you know and so you you don't sit there as though the words going over your head and you're bored and you don't understand it you can you can understand fully and comprehend the word of god and so the holy spirit is his job to work with you until that understanding comes and so then when there's a corresponding action to the word you got confidence to step out in it you're not just you know uh, i'm out here by faith you know like that's bad <laughs> you're out there by faith and that's good because you got you understand you have help you have a partnership with God you have uh, um, you expect good to come from it it's not risky you know it's it's you know it kind of kind of like that to a degree but you know the risk is worth it you know if it's risky business to you you eventually come to understand okay this risky feeling is just me and this is God's way and I can trust God if you never step out there in faith to do anything or do much of anything it's always going to be risky to you in other words if you put your faith away for special occasions rainy days holidays or whatever it's always going to be risky to you we're to walk by faith we're to live by faith every day in obedience to God's word by faith 
So faith is incomplete until that corresponding work comes to complete it. That's so important. So the works come to complete our faith. So he says in verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. So that faith was working with him to get him to do something to walk it out. So in this situation, this is really... It's really God working through us his own faith in him own self in his own words and we are more or less cooperating with God working through us. So he says faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Was righteousness imputed when he believed only or when he get up and did something? It's when he get up and did something. Amen. Because it was not there until he, in the beginning when it says God called Abraham and told him get up and go. And it says, and he left and Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness after he got up and left. Folks, it's not faith until that work is completed. And he says he was called a friend of God because he got up and obeyed. He experienced, he had faith and he experienced it, got up and obeyed. He says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. If she had received them and left them there, it was not faith. She was not justified. She had to complete the whole job in order to receive her justification. For as so, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. What good is my faith doing the the missionary across the continent if I don't ever send him any money? You know, I mean, I can pray and that's that that will get somebody there that can do the job. But oftentimes our words are not as powerful as our words followed up by some action. Amen. Some action is necessary. So faith is completed by our works. Faith makes the works work. You can't have works apart from faith. You won't do it very long. If you if you had to try and be a Christian without faith in your heart and what you're doing, you're not going to do it long. God did away with that system when he got rid of the old covenant. But there was faith there. They had to believe believe in, in if they had faith in doing the whole of the law, they their faith was in operation there. You'd see their faith work many times in the nation of Israel. It wasn't always God's sovereignty. It was their faith in keeping that law. But that law was very tedious to keep. I mean, it wore them out. And that was the purpose of it. To show them it's going to wear you out. If you're doing it the way I told you to do it, it's not going to work for you. But it's going to make you understand my standards, what I require. And it's a high, high, high standard. So you're going to look for somebody higher than you to complete it. 
sets the stage for Jesus to come, for the Messiah to come, to fulfill all of that. And in doing that, incorporated into humanity in such a way that we could complete what was required by God. You got it? So he fulfilled the law, nailing to the cross everything that was contrary to us. And he allowed us to receive the law by faith and walk it out on a daily basis without fear of retribution, condemnation, guilt, any of that stuff. Amen. We stay in contact with God through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and not apart from it. It has to be in there and in the foundation and source for everything that we claim in God. So our faith is completed by our works. Faith put God, puts God on the scene in our works. Amen. So our faith in God brings him on the scene in our works. It is as though he is doing the works, but these works are righteous are righteous, a godly righteous works, not human righteous works, but godly righteous works. So, when we when we step out in faith, we have to be encouraged that God is with us. If not, we'll let fear or doubt or double-mindedness grab a hold of us. Now, uh, uh, James has talked about in verse. Yeah, let me go go over here in my King James. I can agree. In in uh, James chapter one, in verse six, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Not like don't have a second thought or a second opinion or another idea or plan B. Faith says, I want it from God. Period. Not plan A or plan B. He says, for he that wavers is like the, a wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, any idea that flies through your mind sounds good. Huh? Every five minutes you get a different idea. Well, maybe I'll do this. Well, maybe I'll do that. Well, maybe I'll do That's uh, wavering. He says, you're not going to get anything from God when you do that. He says, for not let, that, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So sometimes you feel like coming to church, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like giving, sometimes you don't. You've got an idea of something, but a person who has faith in God makes a commitment to do things God's way and does not waver. You don't get a second opinion or a better idea or something come to you later. And what happens is that whenever you have a, 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 a command of God or you have a mission in God, fear will always well up to try and get you to think over what you just thought. God will come and tell you that I'm going to advance you in this position in your company. And then fear will come up and say, but what if I have to work with so-and-so? Or what if I have to get up earlier? Or what if I have to, what if, 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 That's nothing but fear. And fear will always be there to feed your mind something. But if you're not trying to operate out of your mind, 
and you let your heart get it settled with God huh? then you'll choose the corresponding action to your faith and you'll get the promise you'll, get, you'll be on the road to your promise if you step out there and do what the Holy Spirit is prompting you and leading to you in spite of what your head is telling you your head is going to be your biggest problem in obeying God especially if you give too much play to it if you give too much uh, credence to what you think and and, uh, you know especially when you go around and get several different opinions you know now God will lead you to people who can give you wise counsel and confirm things for you and I think that's a good thing to do when you have to make major decisions you know I see people run around and want to get married and they, they'll go to somebody else's church and stand before them and they've been in a, a church and a ministry for 10 years and go you know the biggest decision you ever have to make in your life and you go around the proper authority in your life to do it nonsense nonsense you want to start a family you want to have healthy children you stop going to church and then go someplace else and start asking people on Facebook for prayer to me that's the craziest thing in the world to do and if your heart's not right toward leadership you're not going to get anything from this faith works by love it doesn't work by fear and animosity and I don't trust them and they're not going to tell you nothing right and the last time I went to them like the guy who went to the prophet and said don't go to him he never tells me anything good huh people feel that way about their pastors if you need correction your faith isn't lined up right so and they know it's not lined up they need to let you know once they let you know they've done their job it's up to you to believe it and correct your error so you can get what God has for you we're not trying to keep you from getting anything from I'm not jealous of what you got and you don't need to be jealous of mine go talk to God and get your own it's nonsense you know people the bottom feeders is what I call them they're always looking for trouble always looking for controversy always looking for who don't like them who doesn't have love who's mean who's talking about them who's these bottom feeders God's called us to ride on the high places folks when you talk about holy faith in God you're talking about a moral decision to hear what's right to hear God's word to stay with God's word to obey God's word no matter what because you know it's the right thing to do he saved you he's helped you with every may your problem is you're not grateful for anything you got me you have to have gratitude in your heart for this faith to work for you and if your salvation isn't enough to be thankful for you're going to add up every little petty thing that's happened in your life and say God's not faithful there's something wrong with you there's something wrong with that so fear is what produces double mindedness some people have never had confidence in God in anything they do they just go through the motions of doing it well that's going to tell on you after a while you're not going to be able to do that for very long so they become unstable in everything that they do so we'll want the results of God but we feel that the works that are needed to produce it are too risky I think the works that are needed to produce the results are too risky 
we need to look at the works as fulfilling our faith instead of risking anything. The devil wants you to always feel like God's not going to take care of you. He's not going to do what he's Oh, you jump, jump out there. and Oh, you going to do that by faith. Are you kidding me? You jump out there and obey God. You're going to really suffer. Hmm? I'd rather suffer with the righteous devil than to dwell in the biggest mansion you ever could get for me. Amen. Because I know what's right on the inside of me. I'm here to do what's right, not what's going to get me somewhere. If right just gets me a tent with, with just the provisions and I want to be right. You got me? you got to have that attitude, folks. You can't just, you know... Uh, your, what you possess materially is never an indication of your faith. You use your faith however you want to use it. If you want to use your faith to acquire things to give them all away, that's between you and God. You don't have to acquire a bunch of material things to prove you got great faith. Are you kidding me? So faith puts God on the scene in our works. When you start, when you move out and you do the corresponding action that God gives you to do, you complete your faith. It's incomplete and it's dead without a corresponding action. So it is as though God is doing the works himself, but he's using your body, your hands, your mouth to do them we are as he would be in the world amen so our righteous account grows because of faith with appropriate works your account in righteousness grows because you have appropriate works to correspond to your faith when we believe God we are operating then in supernatural obedience it's not obedience to the natural anymore. So get what seems naturally right and naturally smart out of your mind. You're obeying on a higher level. Now I'm not talking about going out and doing something quirky and stupid. You know spitting on people in a prayer line. Just because it's different. I'm talking about what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do. To follow up on your faith. Everybody knows that if you make a pledge, the follow up is pay the money. Well, if that got you, so be it. But you know what I'm saying. That's a common example, simple example. Everybody can understand that. You didn't mean it when you said it, probably. If you, you know, what, what I've learned to do is ask God in advance, pay it as soon as He speaks it to me, if that's possible. And if not, just don't go, don't exceed what you know you're able to do or you're willing to do. If you're the type of person when you get your paycheck, you already got it mentally spent, don't pledge anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Unless you're going to make the sacrifice of not doing what you want to do all the time. These things are for sacrificial purposes. God still honors sacrifice. That's not a dirty word in Christianity. You know, people think that, well, Jesus paid the whole price. No, you, you can't go through life just doing what you want to do all the time. God doesn't look at what you give. He looks at what you keep. You keeping most of it? That's wrong. You got me? W-R-O-N-G. What did Jesus keep for himself? See, that's our carnal teaching we've been under for 30, 40 years. 
when most of the teaching you hear relates you to progress in the natural realm, there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong. Because the most you can get, this is an invisible kingdom. Your riches are the intangibles that God puts in your life. It's not what you can spend. It's not what you can buy. It's not what you can possess. It's the intangibles. What's going to get you into heaven? It's not. You can't drag your your house, your car, your whatever you think you got, your credit cards or whatever makes you, you know, faith a faith person down here. Natural things. You're going to be a, you're going to get your reward based on your development conforming to the image of Christ. I don't care how many people tell you Jesus was rich in this life. They're never going to get you that's never going to get you into heaven. Their wealth won't get their Bentleys won't get them in there. They'll barely be able to get through for the quality of souls that they're raising up down here in the earth. God wants quality people. He's waiting on leaders to be developed so that they can take this kingdom to the next phase that it's going through down here. So he's not looking at tangibles as evidence of your faith. And you shouldn't either. Look at what you, what God's, what's God done inside of you? What's he done in you? What do you do differently now than you did 10 years ago that's more like Christ? You know what Jesus was like. He cared not about himself. He was he was a servant of humanity. How do you serve? Where do you serve? Doing more of it now than you did 10 years ago? That's what God's looking for. Not looking for all this other nonsense stuff. So he calls us to obey supernaturally. At the end of your obedience, if you've conformed more to the image of Christ, it's a good thing. Whether you got what you were looking for or not. Think about that for a little bit. See we're so tied to natural things as evidence of our faith. Nothing to do with that. I believe God for years for certain things never got them. But boy did I change. (laughs) Boy was I different on the inside. Huh? Was it worth it? Oh, absolutely. You know why? Because when you're on this side, on the other side of obedience, you look back and you say, you know what? If it took that hook in my jaw, thinking I was going to get all of this and all of that to get me over here, I got over here. Too bad I couldn't be hooked by the desire to be more like him. But I'm more like him now, so it did its job. See, these kind of things scare Christians. <laughs> you mean I'm not going to get my <laughs> See, you got that in you. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because mm-hmm. we're ordained to conform to his image. More and more and more and more and more. More and more and more and more and more. More and more and more and more and more. And then some more. And then some more, some more. When you think you got it all, then some more, some more, some more. Some more. Some more. Some more, some more. You got it? I think you got it. So supernatural obedience will defy and is designed to defy natural understanding. Supernatural obedience will not make sense. It won't dent the natural one little bit. Until it's time to dent it. (laughs) 
if we were to do what seems right naturally we would not get the results of God so this is something that comes totally from God from his spirit that the realm of the spirit understands I can tell you that much the realm of the spirit totally understands your corresponding action to your faith and the realm of the spirit has to obey it see there are things that you will disrupt in the realm of the spirit when you do things that don't agree with the natural way to do it that you never disrupt looking at the natural that's what God wants us to do in order to get your promise to get your your goods out of the devil's clutches you've got to disrupt something supernaturally you've got to disrupt something in the realm of the spirit in order to do that and so when you when you obey what God tells you to obey then you do that disruption because the devil's banking on you looking at what you can eat drink wear what people are going to think about you say about you how they're going to treat you in order for you to obey he's counting on that when you do something corresponding to the spirit of faith that takes none of that into account the only thing God takes into account is the end result <laughs> that's all he's looking he's, he's looking at your bank He's looking at your righteousness account. He's looking at your spiritual investment. And that's all that's important to him. So this other stuff could could care about. So if we were to do what seems right naturally, we wouldn't get the results of God. So we must seek God for what to do. Or allow supernatural creativity to point us in the direction of the promise. And so you can allow God by the Holy Spirit to help you put it together supernaturally. And, and how do you do that? Well, you, you call to remembrance. God will call to remembrance things that worked for you in the past. Sometimes you can draw from that stuff. You can draw from other people's testimonies. Things that you know that you've seen that, that help. Everybody knows that if there's somebody in your family that's estranged from you, that that you haven't talked to since you've been saved and they avoid you and you avoid, you invite them over for Christmas. You got me? You send them a Christmas gift? You send them a Christmas card? You got it? You don't do what you've been doing in the natural to keep the estrangement going. You break that thing. You break through that and bridge the gap. Even though you, you know, people tell you justified. Why do you want to be bothered with somebody that doesn't treat you right? Blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. But we know that if we're going to get the reconciliation ministry <laughs> completion that God wants us to do, you've got to do something that looks foolish to the natural man. So corresponding actions point toward the promise. They are a step toward the promised land. They're just a step. We want to take one step and have it all over with because we don't like the life of faith. We want to look at everything and know everything from the natural and then make up our mind if we're going to, you never do it. Hmm? You're never going to get it that way. You've got to obey the inner leading of the Holy Spirit. The people that that do things, the corresponding actions supernaturally, they they are do things. They're what you call hope against hope. 
situations. There has to be that element of no hope in the natural, but you hope anyway that this will this thing will happen. There's a hope against hope uh, um, uh, flavor to everything that's done supernaturally. It's it you call that same company three times and they've said no. We're gonna hope against hope that it works this time. You got me? You've done is you, you understand what I'm saying? The natural's already programmed and set not to work. But you hope against hope. Well is that scriptural? Well you better believe it is. The woman going to the unjust judge. He said, well, why did I give it to her? Not because I wanted to help her. I got tired of her coming here asking. She wore me down. So there's a place where your supernatural faith in God will wear down the opposition if you keep. But oh no, what do we do? We get embarrassed. We get ashamed. We get offended. We get our feelings hurt. We got too much of us in it. For it to be supernatural by faith, we're talking about the faith of God. You took your measly faith and placed it in God, so now let God work through you. It's funny how we can be dead one minute and come totally back to life the next. Could it be that our sensitivity toward offense has been robbing us? Write that down for Tuesday. Think about it till Tuesday. It'll come to you. Huh? But see, we got so much pride sometimes it's pathetic to think that we could really get anything. He he gives grace to the humble folks. Come on now. Resist the proud. But see, a lot of times we don't knock on some doors because we've been refused already and it embarrassed us the last time. Well, you never should have quit knocking. Now it's going to be harder to get that door open because you got your pride, you got the history, you got everything been sitting there for this long. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. I remember uh, we needed we need a, a van for the uh, to, from Cleveland. You know, our buses are are. You know, we got to get them replaced, and we will. That's coming. But in the meantime, you've got to keep people going. And so we we had an opportunity. Howard had mentioned to me, we, there are some people that we've been renting vans from. They're expensive, too expensive. They're just, you know, supply and demand, I guess. But anyway, when Howard had seen a place not far from him, he said, well, I see these vans sitting out all the time. And then he called and inquired. They were even more than... Uh, than uh, the other ones that they were renting that weren't reliable. Sometimes you call, they didn't have them ready, or we didn't get your just mm, stuff. I don't like stuff. Once you once you bind stuff and it don't quit, then you say, hmm, maybe my blessing is someplace else. Right. You gotta know the leading of God to do things, but at the end, there's a blessing somewhere. We need to get it. And so when Howard told me it wasn't, you know, and I said, go back again. I said, go back and tell this lady what you're trying to do. You want to rent from them consistently? And she said, oh, you want it every month? Oh, I'll work with you, you know. Brought it down to 25% of what they were paying. 75% savings. You got me? Why? Because you refuse to look at the suit. Yeah, we've been told it's more. Yeah, we've been told. Uh, but she didn't know exactly what she was getting into. So, 
Now it seems simple, but it'll shock you how many people would walk away and take no for an answer. But if you know in your heart that God's told you He's got a better deal and a blessing for you, you keep going to pursue the better deal. I don't care how many times people tell me no. I could care less. Well, he wasn't talking to me. He's talking to Howard. But you, know, but you know what I'm saying. You know it's there somewhere. And you know God's promises to you. And you know that he's going to make it reasonable for you. So you have to rely on your faith and a corresponding action. So yeah, they could say no. But no, they didn't. Why? Because you went there and you kept believing God. You know, people who did stuff twice when they were told no were told by Jesus at the end, great is your faith. If your faith can't take a no, it's not very great. It would be magic if every time you ask for something you got it just with no problem. We all look like at that as, as something supernatural because it doesn't really ever happen that way for us or anybody else. We know God's moved really, really nicely for us this time. Not that we didn't think he was going to move, but this one was like butter, you know. It's them things you like gravy, you write those, those things down. And so you make note of those, but you don't stop the faith process. There's a corresponding action to everything. And you have to take that action. Even though it may not look like you're going to get it. But put your pride aside. And go and knock on that door again. Because God's promised you these things. He's promised you success in everything. If you've been turned down, you better go back until you get success. Don't quit asking. Don't quit knocking. Don't quit pursuing. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Just keep it up until you get what God's promised you. And he will do it for you. You know, you, you can't be crippled and handicapped in this life and have success. You have to have to, all the trappings that go along with success. So in Romans chapter 4, we see what it means to hope against hope and to have that supernatural that you need from God so that you can get to the next level in God. And so it says in Romans chapter 4, let me see. Verse 13, the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So all of the natural descendants of Abraham, if they did not have faith in God, got bypassed. You got to have it by faith. It says, for if they which are of the law be heirs, and faith is made void, and it's in the promises of none effect. But the law works wrath. For where there's no law, there's no transgression. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. Amen. So grace follows faith. It's not there outside of faith. It follows faith. To the end, the promise might be made sure to all the seed, not to that which is of the law, but also that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So you can be a natural heir, but you got to believe in the promise, not because of, you remember the Pharisees said, we're sons of Abraham, blah, 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 blah. Well, that doesn't count here. You know, and you're fighting him. I'm, I'm his main son. You know, I'm his father and his son. <laughs> and you're fighting me. So that makes you null and void. Huh? 
You legalists that don't believe that I'm the real one that, that God sent for you, you don't get anything. They could believe. That's the whole bottom line of it. Where you don't have a natural inheritance, you have a spiritual one that's available to you all the time. Why leave people out because they're born from the wrong person, they're born at the wrong time, they're wrong. You, you can believe. See, anybody who can believe can have this. And so he says, it is, as it's written, I have made you the father of many nations before whom he believed even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. So there's your answer there. Faith, when it's active, calls things that be not as though they are. So that's the first life or or quickening of life that will come to you. That word becomes made alive in you. When Brother Hagen taught about it being the rhema word. It's not borrowed off of somebody else's life because you're scared to go to God and get your own word. You know, I wish I could have like 10 years to teach on that. How we're trying to borrow somebody else's relationship with God because we're scared to have our own. The longer you live in condemnation and fear, the less likely you are to want to go to God personally and desire your full inheritance. No, you're not a beggar. You're not second rate. You're not anything like that. So why be afraid to go to God and stand in his presence and, and, and discuss with him your life? God, what do you have planned for me? I, I really want what you have for me. I, I don't want what anybody else has for me. I want what you have for me. And I want to have a relationship with you. I want to feel comfortable with you. I want to be your friend. I want to you to be my friend. I want to have confidence in you and assurance. Because that's what I need in this life. I need a friend. I need a confidant. I need assurance. I need fellowship. I need companionship. I need love. I need all of the above. And I need to get it from you. Yes. Huh? How do I know I get it from you? I can give it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Huh. Sure. You have something for others. That's how you know you have God. It's not just about you all the time. Hmm? And what you do. And all these things. And so he says, it says, who against hope believed in hope. There it is again. See, true Bible faith, there must be a hope against hope. It's, it's got to see. We think that's only for certain people who are believing for a, a, a reconciliation of a marriage after 25 years. That's hope against hope to us. But listen, if, if you don't have a credit card, hope against hope, is that's your hope against hope situation. You've got to get one in order to make sure that you can have the success that God wants you to have. He doesn't want you to be left out of anything. If you don't have property, that's your hope against hope situation. God wants you to have property like he wants everybody to have it. You understand what I'm saying? That's your hope against hope. Everybody's got one. And we have to step in that arena and demand our privileges in God or else our faith is dead. You're going to need that faith to do something else for God at some point. So it's got to be developed. You can't skirt around that and still say that you're, you're believing God. Well, where's your evidence? Where's your faith? You've got to be able to do things that God wants you to do in this life. 
So you got to work on the realm of the supernatural to get the natural to come in and obey you and be your servant. That's right. You can't sit up and just take crap from the devil and say you're a faith person. You've got to have all your ducks in a row. You can't do these things. I get calls from people that want me to come and minister for them. They don't have credit to buy a ticket. They don't they don't have anything. Consistent phone number, any of this kind of stuff. Well, how am I going to rely on somebody like I'm going to go and submit myself to them and they can't take care of the necessary everyday needs that a sinner can take care of. Do you understand me? Not that we're just totally trusting in that. But just because I don't trust in it doesn't mean I can't possess it. You've got to possess things, folks. So everybody's going to have a hope against hope situation. There's going to be something that's going to challenge your faith. Make you have to obey God. Make you have to humble yourself. Make you have to forget about your embarrassment and your shame and your lack of credibility and skipping over it. You're going to have to deal with it. Your faith is going to have to bring you face to face with that thing that tries to make you bow. you got to make it bow. you got to make it obey you. So works, the works will allow God to bring the promise supernaturally his way. See, these works uh, that, are, 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 uh, that validate your faith and bring your faith alive, these, these uh, uh, um, what did I call them, corresponding works, they have to relate directly to that promise coming into your life. And so these works uh, actually put it in God's realm and take it out of the devil's realm and the world's power. That's why you got to do them. In order to lock God in to the completion of this request that you have, you have to have a corresponding action that brings that thing totally into God's possession and takes it out of the devil's possession. For instance, people that, that uh, you know, there's a story Brother, Brother Norval Hayes used to tell about the couple that they were childless and they wanted a child. And so he was teaching on faith, teaching on uh, act like you have it before you have it and you will have it. Call those things that be not as though they are. Act like they are before they are. It's not just calling it but also acting like it. Before it is. And so when you do that, then you move things in a realm where the enemy, you actually hide them from the world's power. They become hidden with Christ in God. So it becomes a thing where where God is totally locked in and control of that thing and it's encased in the supernatural of God. And it cannot be found by the enemy to screw it up. And to deny you that you can have it once you take it out of his hands totally. But you got to know God. you got to have a corresponding action from God spoken to your heart by the Holy Spirit. You can't just be making stuff up and pretending and playing with God and trying to convince him you really believe him. you got to get it from God. Once you get it from God, you got it. And so in the middle of this teaching, right after the end, the couple came up and they said, we got it. God's told us what we're going to do. They went home. They bought things for the baby. She'd never been pregnant before, so they, you know, never had anything. They brought 
a baby crib. They gave the baby a name. They set a place for the baby at the table. I don't know how he's a newborn. He's already eating at the table. But (laughs) they called him, you know, whatever they called him. Pass John some bread. Give him a piece of toast. And they just fed him every meal. Pretty soon the woman was pregnant and had a normal baby. It just bypassed and confounded. Anytime God gives you something, it will confound the powers of this world. It will confound the wisdom of the world. It will confound your human wisdom. And you'll feel feel stupid for doing it but don't quit because you keep doing it and it will produce what God told you it's supposed to produce you can't quit on these things works allow God to bring the promise supernaturally his way intact nothing missing nothing broken it'll be whole entire lacking nothing so will you you'll have the faith to believe God for more because that's what you need you don't need a one time blessing from God and then you're puzzled if you can do it again If you see that's what happens oftentimes with people when they get things just strictly by agreement and then they go along for the ride you can get agreement but you better get understanding as well you better get empowered as well you need to tell God now God I know you blessed me with this and I don't quite understand it help me understand that because I want to live my life by faith or live a life pleasing to you you've got to do these things you've got to have enough personal integrity to not just want from his hand but you got to want to know him you got to want to not want just the goods but you got to know the one who gives you the goods you got to want relationship understanding always develops out of relationship and it helps increase relationship so God is then able to take it totally out of the enemy's hands and bless you with a blessing. No sorrow added to the blessing. My goodness. Think of all the things you could want from God and then think of all the negatives that could come with it. There's a ton of them. Getting things in, in this life. Uh, you know, children that will obey God all the days of their lives. You know, you get your kids get to be teenagers and then they want to go experiment with the world. You understand what I'm saying? There's a ton of things that can go wrong with the blessings that you get in this life. But just think, if you obey God down the line, supernaturally they come and no sorrow is added. No trouble is added. No uh, uh, special uh, care is added or needed. Just just grow up supernaturally by the hand of God and the power and protection of God. It's wonderful. But it comes at a price. You can't just jump up and, and have what your neighbor has and keep up with the Joneses. That's not what this life is about. This life is a consecrated, dedicated life where you totally trust God. Your blessings come with sorrow. There's something wrong. There's a lack of trust there. Somewhere you jumped off on the natural. You know, people can start off supernaturally and then get a bright idea. And then jump off in natural. Huh? Try to complete it in the natural. And then you wind up relying totally on the natural. Which is... You know, when you've got a covenant with God, I think that's the biggest insult to God. That you use the world's methods to get your needs met. Just like your children, you got a, a nice house for your kid to live in. And he chooses to go live in the neighbor's basement. 
Or worse than that, go in the ghetto and live in somebody's basement. Because they don't want to have anything to do with you as a parent. It's insulting. It's like a normal parent would be insulted. God is even more so. And so we're to to do these things supernaturally and trust God. Supernaturally means you trust him because you don't understand it yourself. And many times you get tired of doing it, but you do it anyway. Because you know he told you to. And, And this is what God wants you to do. So the works allow God to bring the promise in on his terms. His way to let you know his word is true. To something personal between you and God. These corresponding actions to faith allow faith to do its work unhindered, protected, successful. So it's like you're, you're working with God in an unfriendly, sinful world that's trying to devour you. But you have this nice protected area that you work in where only he can work on something that you desire that's what we need to want in this life folks not just what everybody else has not just i need something god i gotta have this it's not about that it's about having relationship with him and what he promised you in his word and then allow him to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. See there's a, a an icing on the cake and it added something to what would you would you would normally envision in the word. God puts his personal supernatural stamp on it because it's above and beyond what you can ask or think well God I I was asking you for this that and the other but boy this right here this really this is the capper you know this is takes a cake right here this is way above what I what I thought it would be we need to consider that these actions will confound conventional wisdom Normal wisdom, worldly wisdom, our wisdom, our natural man's wisdom, and their desire to. Because Satan is able to manipulate the natural realm, these works have to be beyond what the natural mind can conceive. So there are works, and works without our faith are easily controlled and manipulated by the enemy. You know, we just do what every Tom, Dick, and Harry does. You know, we say we're going out for what God has for us and we just do what our mind tells us. It's easy for the enemy to strategize and plan and thwart it because he does that with people all the time. He does it to get us frustrated and angry with God because he loves it when, when Christians quit believing God. That's one of his biggest trophies and that's what he wants. So if we're easily frustrated and delayed and denied... It's oftentimes because we're approaching our situation naturally. He wants us to do it supernaturally. Natural considerations are always things that relate to cost. What it costs financially. The time it takes. That's a big factor with Christians. We think we're running out of time. It's like we're on the devil's time. He's the one running out of time. His time's short. We got eternity. We're not running out of anything. But he makes us think that. Personnel, ability, where do we start? All of these considerations will come up. Just push them off to the side. And say, God, you tell me what to do and tell me when to do it and I'll obey you. 
It gets very simple once we understand how God works. So when you find yourself worrying about how much money, how much time, can I afford it, how am I going to do it, and you continue that way, you need to take yourself, just chill and give yourself a faith break. You need to get back in the word because you haven't really got it in your heart the way it's supposed to be. It's more in your head than it is in your heart. But if you will stay with it in the word of God, at some point God will come and give you the confidence that you need to move out in him. The fear of what it's going to cost financially will be gone. Which is, that's a very easy one to get over, but we cling to it anyway because we need something, I guess we need something to nurture. So you just keep nurturing your fear of finances. Like, you know, if it really costs you something, they they don't throw people in debtor's prison anymore. You know, but we're so afraid of it, it, it's worse than that for most of us. And so we never get started. Sometimes God just wants you to go sign some papers for something so he can show up with the money and the understanding of how the money comes. That happens to me more often than not. I've learned how to live with it. Okay, God, you said you provide. I don't need to see it. Uh, But see, I don't spend my money crazy either. So let's get that straight. You know, I'm not frivolous with it. I'm not looking to have a party every five minutes or to, you know, go out to dinner or take somebody a cake or something. I don't live like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? My joy comes in investing more in eternal things, not things that are going to perish with the using. It's, It's eternal. It's not not that's not my joy you understand what i'm saying it, it see there's a place in your life where these things excite you and then you move on to maturity see i'm building for eternity always have been giving more over to it now than i'm getting older than when i was younger and so I think I've matured more over the years to give more over into eternity. And if I haven't, I sure am going to work on it. You got me? Because there's nothing in this life left anymore. There's nothing down here for us believers. Everything that we need to invest our time in should go over there. And for bringing the gospel, preparing to, to set up the gospel to continue. We don't need another dark ages in the earth to lie dormant and let people go to hell in the droves. We need to be looking out for our future generations of believers. Not just natural believers, people, but our future generation of believers. And invest over in that realm. And I believe that if we'll do that, the things that God has for us we'll enjoy. We won't miss things that we don't have but we'll continue to grow in his understanding and his love and and be able to do the things that he wants us to do in a greater measure okay why don't we stop father we thank you for giving us your word and understanding of your word and understanding how to love you trust you put everything on the line for what you have for us knowing that you have what's best for us you love us you care about us and we thank you for that lord in jesus name amen if anybody needs prayer come on up for your prayer prayer